Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Jarrett Krozoska, author and illustrator of the new graphic novel, Sunshine, How One Camp Taught Me About Life, Death, and Hope. Jarrett is a National Book Award finalist for his earlier book, Hey Kiddo. He's also a two-time winner of the Children's Choice Book Award, Eisner Award nominee, and the author and or illustrator of 30-plus books for young readers. School Library Journal wrote about Sunshine, an admirable look back at a life turned towards service, optimism, and love. Jarrett, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new graphic novel, Sunshine, how would you describe it? Uh, Okay, so... I think it could be most quickly understood by saying it's like if you took the breakfast club and combined it with fault in our stars. So I was a 16 year old senior in high school and I was sent to Maine to volunteer at this camp. And I was sent along with uh, five other uh, classmates who were from all different walks of life. I mean, Everyone at my high school wanted to volunteer at Camp Sunshine. It was it was as as part of as big a part of the high school life as prom was, but they could only send a certain amount of students. And so they 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 picked names from hats. And so with that randomness, you know, there was the 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 jock, the stoner, the the theater kid, the the art geek, the AP nerd, and we were all thrown into this band together to have this really intense experience of um working with children with cancer. Uh, So the camp itself, Camp Sunshine, serves children with life-threatening illnesses, but the entire family attends the camp. And so um, our job as camp counselors was to make sure the families had everything they need at mealtimes and was to, uh, you know, tend to the activities for the campers uh, in between meals while the adults all had uh, their different uh, sessions and support groups going on. Were you already drawing when you were 16 and you uh, went to Camp Sunshine? Oh, I was. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, sometimes people will ask me, you know, they'll ask, Jared, how old were you when you started to draw? And it's, it's like, I don't, I don't know. How old were you when you started eating? Like, you know, food, food was just always a part of your life. And, and art has always been a part of my life in one way or another. Um, I, I was making my own comics when I came home from school, all throughout elementary school and, uh, when I was when I worked at Camp Sunshine, though, that was the first time that I used my ability as a cartoonist to entertain young people. When you were doing that artwork, when you said you were coming home from from uh, school and and doing your own comic books, were you doing uh, kind of things from your own life at that time, or were you more oriented towards kind of the traditional superheroes? Or oh no, I definitely was not doing uh, anything autobiographical. I was. I, I, you know, I, I came up on uh, Snoopy in the newspaper and X-Men and Batman at the comic book store. And so I was making um, my own little comic strips. You know, I think I think when I was 12, I put together a pitch and sent it to a syndicate hoping I could get published. And uh, throughout high school is really when I started thinking more about uh, making comic books. So I was I was I was doing a lot of muscle-bound, ill-proportioned superheroes. Uh, but I have to give a lot of credit to Mark Lynch, who was uh, the uh, teacher at the Worcester Art Museum, where I took graphic novel classes. 
And he made sure that we were exposed to non-superhero comics. So this would this was also, you know, throughout the early and mid-1990s when um, you know, otherwise I would not have known who Will Eisner was. I would not have gravitated towards the work of Art Spiegelman necessarily because I was just all about Batman and X-Men. And so he showed us and and made sure that we were were looking at, you know, graphic novels that had all different art styles, graphic novels that were were slice of life stories like Harvey Picard comics. Um, and so it wasn't until I had this itch that just needed to be scratched and I wrote about my own upbringing in a graphic memoir called Hey Kiddo when I when I started using my own life as uh, fodder for my comics. Did you use art as a way to deal with emotions and trauma? Oh, 100%. I mean, I was so I was raised by my grandparents. I was raised by my maternal grandparents because uh, my mother had an opioid addiction. She spent my childhood either in jail or halfway homes. And I, I didn't, you know, my father took off before I was born. So I didn't know what his first name was, let alone what he looked like. And so there's a lot to unpack there. But my grandparents were of the generation, you know, they came up during the Great Depression where you didn't just didn't talk about your problems. The thought was if you should just move past your problems and forget about them and, and not talk about them. So therapy was definitely not in the cards for them. It wasn't something that they understood at all. I would have benefited greatly from going to talk therapy as a kid. But thank God, I at least had empty sketchbooks. And and it works on two separate levels. And on one hand, just the very simple act of mark making is therapeutic and centering. But for me too, I would I would work through a lot of these headier issues I had in my head just through my sketches and through my drawings. And that absolutely was a salvation for me. Well, given the nature of drawing a graphic novel, and I'm I'm not an artist, I, I actually do make quilts. I, I'm assuming that you have to do a certain amount, if not a ton, of plotting for the narrative of a graphic novel. And what is the process for you when you are thinking about or planning a graphic novel? Do you write a strict outline? Do you do a loose sketch of each page? How does that work for you? Well, it's, 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 uh, I, when I have an idea for a book, whether it be fictional or based on my life, it really begins with uh, this obsessiveness in my head that pours out into a sketchbook where I start sketching out character studies and drawing what the character might look like. And then from there, when I'm ready to, and again, it gets to a point where you just can't control it. You just need to get it out of your system. I then script everything. So just like one would write a script for a, a TV show or a movie, that's how I write the early drafts for my graphic literature. You're focusing on the character's dialogue and descriptors of what you're going to see in the action. After I've written the script and after it's been edited and fine-tuned, then I uh, sketch everything out. And it's at the sketch stage that I really lock down what part of the story will be told with the words and what part of the story will be told with the pictures. Because uh, if anyone is, you know, if you're reading an illustrated book, it's important to remember that the pictures aren't there just to be pretty decorations. The, the illustrations have the exact same job that the words do, which is to communicate the story. So when you are combining words and pictures, it's very important that you allow the words and pictures to tell separate parts of the story. So then when taken together, you get the whole of the story. But if the words and pictures told you the exact same thing, if they communicated the exact same thing to the reader, it would be like writing the same sentence 
twice in a row. <laughs> Interesting. Given your um, your success and the the topic of your your graphic novels in in your own kind of reading of um, comics and and graphic novels, have you moved beyond superheroes, or do you read a lot of slice of life graphic novels, so to speak? I do. I read a lot of slice of life graphic novels. I I I, I would say maybe in the past. Five years or so, I got back into reading some of the uh, more superhero comics, and uh, it can be hard to enter into superhero comics that's so serialized. But there's been a lot of, um, you know, sort of limited series that that I've been able to, you know, uh, get a hold of. Like, there's this great graphic novel. Uh, well, it's like a series of comics that's now a graphic novel, Catwoman Lonely City, where it tells the story of Catwoman. In the future, and and Batman and the Joker have have all died, and you know while it's a superhero story, it's definitely centered on her, you know, her mental well being and where she is in life, and so you know the kind of superhero stories that I might pick up to read are definitely more 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 steeped in reality and more more nuanced. Um, but I love, I also love memoir, and I, I love. Coming of Age story is my favorite movie is Stand By Me. And I, I love just getting into how people got to be who they grew up to be. Like what were those pivotal moments in their lives that really changed and had a great affect on them? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yeah, Stand By Me is is such an amazing piece of work. It's just great. It is. The it novella is. as well as the... As yes, the, um, the Body by Stephen King. Exactly, as well as the, the movie. Uh, so you mentioned earlier about um, studying in Worcester. I didn't catch the, the name of the the um, school. What was your journey from a young artist? I mean, you said that you can't even remember a time that you weren't drawing. What was your journey from a young artist to your first illustration work and making a living with your art? You know, it's, uh, it's you can really cr- connect a direct line from the kind of stuff I was doing after school to the, what I'm doing professionally. So um, when I was in the sixth grade in, the, in Worcester Public Schools, uh, the arts budgets got completely slashed. And I went from having art once a week to once a month to not at all. And my grandfather saw this as a real problem because he knew it was just like the only thing that I really latched onto. And so he t- started sending me to classes at the Worcester Art Museum. It's, it's a world-class art museum right there in central Massachusetts that has a, a school connected to it. And I would take classes after school or on the weekends, and I would take cartooning classes or animation classes or life drawing classes. And uh, I went to college to study art. I have a degree in illustration. And I sent my work out for a couple of years before uh, I got that first acceptance letter and a contract for my first published book. I will say, though, that the majority of those two years I was of getting rejected, I was still an undergraduate. I started submitting my work when I was uh, 19 years old, and I was halfway through my junior year of college. And, and I did that because I knew any artist, any creative person will be faced with a certain amount of rejections. And in in my mind, I had it would be two years of rejections. There would be a finite amount of time because my high school art teacher always would say, 
artists always get at least two years of rejections before anything happens. So I, I took that as a definitive amount of time. <laughs> and I and so I thought, let me get some of those rejections out of the way while I'm an undergraduate. And and the and the universe actually lined up because I, I received that first acceptance letter, that first contract two years after that first rejection letter came in the mail. And what was that for, your first acceptance? It was a picture book called Goodnight Monkey Boy. So when, when my career started, I was making picture books and, uh, you know, very short, lighthearted stories for toddlers and early elementary aged readers. And I was publishing a book or two books per year. Uh, some of my picture books after Goodnight Monkey Boy were Peanut Butter and Jellyfish, or punk farm. And from there, I started developing a series called The Lunch Lady. And it's a, a graphic novel series for older elementary age readers about a lunch lady who fights crime. It's very campy. It's very, um, you know, like Scooby-Doo or Batman 66. It's got that sort of vibe. Um, and, but I just had this gnawing need to, to tell stories about my own life uh, which which is a lot more work, a lot more work physically, a lot more work mentally, um, and and so that's that's where I am now with with, uh, and now I'm kind of in, in my career doing both. Like I I can I can publish a book like Sunshine, a new graphic memoir that's for for young adult readers, and I can continue to to work on some of my more lighthearted work that's for younger readers too. What drawing or creative advice would you offer for those who are interested in creating their own graphic novels? Well, I mean, especially when I talk to young people who their primary focus is getting published. And I get that because that's where my mindset was as well. Like I, the fact that I started submitting professionally at 19, right? Um, and so what I tell them is that everything that they make the purpose of making that thing isn't to make the perfect thing that is then celebrated. The purpose of making that thing is to learn and experience from making that thing. So then the next thing is a little bit better. And then the next thing after that is a little bit better. And that keeps on compounding on one another, compounding one another until you get to the point where either your work is ready to be published or your work is connecting with a greater audience. And that it really is... A, a long journey that can be a slow burn. And it's probably even more difficult for young people to become accustomed to that now because we do live in a culture that there's just so much immediate gratification. Like, sure, you know, you can stop and, and make a little animation or make a little short something and it could go viral online and you get a lot of response very quickly. But it really is... Uh, a marathon and not a sprint having a career in the arts. Are you working on, or have you started planning uh, your next graphic memoir? Well, I'm, I'm behind on a lot of my work. This, this pandemic has been really, uh, real pesky for, for the creative outflow and, 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 and my workflow. So I have a number of projects that I'm, I'm pretty behind on. Um, and I'm just, I'm just like now getting everything back on track. You know, I have three kids, so we had that first year where we were basically making sure kept everyone alive. And then, and then we had that next year where we kind of rebuilt everybody because it was, took such a, an emotional toll on everyone's mental, a big toll on everyone's mental health. Um, 
And so now, yeah, now I, I'm kind of starting to fire on all cylinders again. And I do have uh, some more work for for that uh, older elementary set that's fictionalized. I have some ideas for other aspects of my life that would, would make for a compelling memoir that I'm hoping to pitch to my publisher soon enough. Um, and, you know, much to the chagrin to Gina, my wife, I'm, uh, I, I won't be ever retiring from creating. <laughs> what novels or graphic novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, there's so many. You know, we live in a time now where there are so many uh, graphic novels being put out there for young readers and, and older readers. And they're so much more easy to, to get a hold of. Um, so there's uh, my friend Dan Santet just published a graphic memoir called The First Time for Everything, which is a coming of age story about his time uh, going on a, on, a, on, a, on a class trip to Europe. Um, there is, well, I think one of the all-time best graphic memoirs is called Blankets by Craig Thompson. And that was published at the very, very early O's. And um, it is it is a powerful story about his coming of age. Uh, it, it really is a, a book to, to, to get a hold of if you, you haven't had it yet, if you haven't had a chance to read it yet. And, um, you know, in terms of like other more recent graphic memoir, like anything that Raina Telgemeier has put out there about her, her, her life growing up and coming of age as a young girl. And, um, another great, great graphic memoir is CC Bell El Defo, which is about, uh, her experience as a deaf person and, in regards to the story being told visually, the visuals in El Defo really helped me as as a person with hearing understand what my friend Cece's experience was with hearing loss. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your work and your your graphic memoirs? Well, I learned early on that if I had created Krasoska.com, no one would ever be able to find me. So, because they'd never be able to spell it. So I'm at studiojjk.com and at studiojjk across social media. I, I have the same handle on every platform, but I'm, I'm most active on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Again, we've been speaking to Jarrett Krozoska, author and illustrator of the new graphic memoir, Sunshine, How One Camp Taught Me About Life, Death, and Hope. And the graphic memoir is available now, so go buy a copy. And Jarrett, thanks for doing this interview. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for hosting me, and, and thanks for having this platform to, to share your love of books. Absolutely. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.